This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please make sure you go to the website and sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club to get access to all sorts of deals that I run across. Now, some of these are, are requiring a pre-existing relationship, so please go and set up a call with me and let's get to know each other. Um, some of these uh, these deals require that you and I know each other. Overwhelmed by the amount of stuff is on Simple Passive Cashflow? Don't know where the heck to start? Go to simplepassivecashflow.com backslash start to sign up or text the word SIMPLE to 314 665 1767 for the curated course to get you up to speed on the past two years of content. Again, join the free web course, The Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow. Go to Simple Passive Cashflow backslash start or text the word simple to 314-665-1767. Today, I have Ed Vapicus back on the line. He uh, was originally on episode number 38. The, the fundamentals podcast, and we were talking insurance, a bunch of different things, and deductibles, actual cash value, replacement costs, liability coverage, and all sorts of stuff. And if you guys want to, I would go on back and listen to that podcast first. But uh, lately, I've been running into a lot of problems. You know, claims are part of the equation. That's why we have insurance. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about two cases that I ran into. Uh, one of them, the first one is a, is a home with a leaky pipe burst. And the second is this other vandalism and other suite of other issues going on. And um, ultimately, this is the one that I was referring to in the last podcast where I was ultimately the straw that broke the camel's back for me for single family homes and why I'm selling my portfolio. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to submit the claims and uh, thought I would bring you on and, you know, kind of work through this because, you know, quite frankly, this is why this is why we go through get insurance, right? Absolutely. And, um, you know, let's just dive into that first claim. Uh, You know, a water claim is uh, a type of claim that has a lot of uh, denials as well as a lot of payments. And I don't mean to sound like a a politician straddling both sides of the fence. Even mentioned a leaky burst pipe. And those two words are almost like an oxymoron when it comes to water damage. When you have a pipe that's bursting – You know, water's flowing through it one day, and then the next moment, all of a sudden, water bursts out of it, and you have water onto the floors and onto the carpeting. And if it happens at night when people are sleeping or if the home is vacant, then that can create a lot of damage. Obviously, if it's during the daytime in an occupied home, people are going to address it immediately. They're going to start taking precautions to soak up the water and uh, turn the water off so the water doesn't continue to go. But when you have water damage and you're calling an insurance company, that means that the water has been on for some time and the water has been uh, involved in creating the damage. And leaky pipes, and I'm going to focus in on that word leaky, when you have a home that's built in the 1920s through, let's say, the 1960s, and those pipes have not been addressed in over 50 years, some of those pipes being 70 and 80 years old, and they haven't been touched, even though you bought this turnkey property in the electrical, the fuse boxes are now circuit breakers, and perhaps the roof has been redone. If the pipes haven't been touched, the chances are those pipes are already leaking when you buy the property. 60, 70, 80-year-old pipes are going to leak. 
And as those pipes leak, the next stage of the leak becomes a crack. The next stage of the crack becomes a bursted pipe. And that bursted pipe is not going to be covered because of the fact that it leaked and cracked first. So you kind of have the dominoes of that timeline. And that's where a lot of claims are turned down because that's ownership, maintenance, and neglect. It has not been taken care of. They look at pipes being replaced as a maintenance item the same way that a roof would be replaced. So to have a, a leaky pipe on an older home, usually where the pipes haven't been touched, those claims are going to be denied. When you have a pipe that bursts, that's a different situation. Water's running through and uh, maybe the house is vacant and we're not in a cold environment, meaning the temperatures are not sub-freezing uh, sub and I'll go there next. But we'll say we're in a warm weather climate uh, like the state of Hawaii, for example, or other parts of the country that uh, do not uh, have the temperatures drop below freezing, a pipe will break and it can create damage on the water and on the drywall and it can lead into problems with, uh, with other parts of the house depending if the water is bursted pipe is on the second floor versus a third floor or on the first floor. And the damage can be five, ten thousand, 10,000 and exceed the deductible where you're filing that claim. And that's the type of claim that, uh, Lane, you recently experienced, and that type of claim is going to be paid for and they'll assess the damage and they'll go in there and they'll they'll do what they need to do with drying it up, running the fans, uh, the typical scenario of trying to preserve as much as possible before having to replace. And those claims are, uh, again, covered. Those leaky pipe claims where the pipe bursts because it's an old home is not going to be covered. And then to, to complete the, uh, the trilogy, if you will, of these, these water claim messes on, on bursted pipes, if you are in an area where the house is vacant and the temperatures are dropping at night, you have to winterize the property, meaning you have to get the water out of the pipes and turn the water off to the property. Otherwise, the pipes will either crack because the, the, the freezing of the ice will crack the pipes, or when the, the water uh, eventually uh, goes from ice back to water, it can expand and it can burst uh, through any cracks that occurred while the pipes had frozen water in them. And those types of claims are also denied. Uh, the house needs to be winterized in those situations, again, meaning that we're turning the water off to the property and you're flushing the water out of the pipelines. So that's kind of the gamut of water claims. Yeah, so I guess I'm counting my lucky stars in this one that uh, somehow the, the claim got paid. Uh, so on my end, you know, I got, I got the call from property manager that, hey, there's a leak downstairs. Uh, we got trying to get it contained. And of course, in my head, you know, I'm like, oh, because <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And for some reason, the, uh, the vendor that we had working on this, they had worked on these sort of claims a lot. So they, they offered to say, hey, we can work directly with your insurance company. We, we've done these before. And you know, I said, you know, hey, you've done these before. I'm going to put more uh, trust in then you guys doing it, then I'm going to do it because I'm going to probably say the wrong thing and, and then not get it paid. So maybe talk to me, what, what exactly did they do? Well, you, you know, I, I don't know if that's really going to hold true. If you can show before and after pictures of a property, and we'll get into that a little bit more detail on the next claim. If you can show this is the way where the property was, and a lot of times when you're buying these investments, you're getting a portfolio of pictures of every room. So you have that documentation theoretically up front. This is what the house looks like, you know, prior to a tenant moving in. This is a house that I'm buying. And then 
when you have the age of the pipes and you have the age of the roof and the age of the electrical, which are traditional underwriting questions on any insurance application, it certainly is on ours anyhow, then that will tell you because you're going to ask your turnkey provider for that information. And if they tell you the pipes are 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, should kind of raise a red flag that, that maybe you need to ask your turnkey provider to repipe the house and uh, take out well, copper can be expensive, but there's certainly enough uh, PEX or plastic materials where you can repipe a, a home relatively inexpensively and save yourself a lot of headaches down the line. So if I'm an adjuster and I go out to the property and I see the piping is 15, 25 years old and I see the damage that occurred and how the condition of the property was prior to the pipes, then I'm going to be okay to releasing funds and paying that claim. And I think that's what happened here in, in your situation, Lane. Yeah, yeah, and going back to asking your provider or your your realtor to go ask from the seller to them to go repipe the house. It's a lot of times these days in the seller's market today. That's not practical. I mean, a lot of these guys, the turnkey rehabbers, it's making more sense for them to flip the house to a retail client instead of us cheap state investors. It's just something that they're just going to tell you to go pound sand if you ask them. And at that point, you know, you got to take on some risk. I think as the investor. You're right on the money, and and I think that's what I'm trying to create uh, with the the avenue of this podcast, which I certainly appreciate, and thank you uh, for the invite, and I mean that sincerely, because I own property, and at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to blow up the ignorance bubbles, is if you have an awareness of what you're buying and how an insurance company is going to react, then that's fine. I think the bigger picture here is for those investors that blindly buy property or or a few investors perhaps are led by property managers, and I want to be very careful here, where they feel that maybe they can rehab the house, so to speak, with, with the insurance company proceeds. And, uh, you know, the insurance companies have been around the block, and it, you may get lucky every now and then, but as a rule of thumb, that just doesn't happen. And with this this podcast, again, we can create the awareness, because you're right, you go back to a turnkey provider, and he says, hey, the pipes are 80 years old, you want the house or not, you have a decision to make, but, but realize the risk that you're now taking on as it pertains to this type of insurance problem on water leaks. All right. And so what are some ways to mitigate it? I mean, you mentioned photos. Do I have my property manager go and just take a whole bunch of photos, maybe even video? Is that effective? If you can show the condition of the property, that's fine. You know, the, we, we have two two parts of what we're talking about. One is if you're buying the house with the old leaky pipes, then you know you have a problem that it may not be covered regardless of pictures before and after. The second half, though, is you, you bought the house, the pipes are 35, 40 years old, they're in good shape, and you have the before and after pictures, you're going to be in a much better position to substantiate your claim loss. So our inspection reports also use as exhibits too? Absolutely. And anything you can do to further your position with the claim, it's only in your best interest to do so. And we, we go through so many claims and we help so many investors frame the claim, if you will, which doesn't mean fabricate. It simply means here is what the condition of the property was before the fire, before the, uh, the, the wind damage, before the pipe bursting, and here it is afterwards. So in one sense, we're showing the, the actual damage, and everyone can agree on the damage. The second part of the equation is getting everyone to agree on the cause of damage, and that's why water claims uh, get a little murky, no pun intended. Is it old, dilapidated 1930s, 1940s house, or is it truly 
the house was repiped in the, in the 70s, and here's the PEX material, and, and it just burst because it, it happens. It does happen. You get pipes that tweak for whatever reason, and, and it, it's not an, a common occurrence, but it does occur. And in your case, it, it occurred, and, and you're having your claim paid. But the more you can present your facts in a favorable light, the better off you're going to be when it comes to getting your claim proceeds. One of the first things I looked into getting away from Wall Street were the many crowdfunding sites out there. But I just was not into paying another middleman to give me a false sense of security and then take a chunk of the profits from the operator and me, the investor. Check out simplepassivecashflow.com backslash lend or text the word money to 314-665-1767. These lending opportunities are exclusive to Simple Passive Cashflow listeners to power operators I trust and will put my brand on the line with. Again, for more information, check out simplepassivecashflow.com backslash lend or text money to 314-665-1767. Maybe this is where, um, and I've taken something from George Newberry, like his claim to fame is that his, that ice storm on his building, you know, part of the reason his, you know, I'm thinking about those ice and the pipes bursting and a lot of my homes and a lot of my multifamily these days are all in that southern parts of the world where you don't have the freezing temperatures. And you know, to delegate and tell your tenants, hey, you guys got to you know, clear the pipes of water. I mean, they're just not going to do that. You know, like that's a lot to ask for, for some well, of these guys. When we talk about a pipe freezing and bursting, it's because the house is vacant at that point in time. If there's water running through the pipes, the water's hot, the water's cold, but the point being like a river doesn't freeze. If the water is flowing, you're not going to have the problem of a pipe bursting due to freeze. When we have that situation laying, it's because the house is vacant and you turn the cold water on on the sink and then you turn it off and there's water in that pipeline and it sits there for 30 days, 45, 60 days until the house gets rented again. Well, during that 30, 45, 60 days, what you want to do is you want to turn the water supply off to the house and you want to turn on all the faucets to empty the water out of the lines. So we're only talking about when a place is vacant. We're we're Uh, not talking about a place that's occupied. Good point, good point. And I would think 90% of property management companies would know that. Absolutely. I was just going to say, but you just never want to assume. You, you want to make sure you have that type of dialogue with your property manager, especially if your home is subject to cold weather environments. You know, this is something where an email, if you remember it, just shoot an email to your property manager and say, hey, just by the way, make sure you do this. And, you know, if something happens, you have pretty good recourse to have them pay the bill because it's their fault, you know. I mean, Absolutely. you're not going to go take them to court or anything, but that's, that's business. Or before you agree to your property manager's agreement, contract, whatever you sign, employing that property manager, and you're going through his job, her, her job responsibilities, that should be one of them. Right. So to wrap up this, uh, this first case, uh, and I'm still going through it, uh, there was a big check that got cut my way, um, and, I pay, and then I paid the contractor, and now they're asking for me to sign these Alpha David saying that the work did get complete, and I think we're pretty smooth sailing there. I don't know really know what happened in behind the scenes with the insurance company and the the contractor, but it sounded like everything went pretty smoothly. And it were, it, it yeah. does, and and that is the second half that you're identifying. And oh, what are we're uh, the, the the buzzwords here is you you have this swarm proof of loss, which is the insurance company coming to you and saying, here's the amount that we agree on. And your contractor's fine. And then 
there's a box on that uh, sworn proof of loss somewhere. There's a number that says recoverable depreciation. And that means here's an amount of money that you get as long as you do the work. Most policies, if not all policies, including your homeowner's policy, say that if you do not rebuild, you get actual cash value. And that's what we talked about in the first podcast, number 38, meaning you get the amount of the loss, less depreciation, sometimes less depreciation in contractor overhead and profit. And it can be substantial. It can be very substantial on, a, on an older property. But when you rebuild, that depreciation component comes back to you. So if you have an $18,000 water claim, and the insurance company cuts you a check for 11000 and will say this is, this is all net of your deductible. So the insurance company sends you a check for 11000 and has a holdback of 7000 that they'll call recoverable depreciation. And what they're saying is, show us you're doing the work, and we're going to give you the recoverable depreciation. And that's what's occurring right now with your claim. In this case, we're going to rebuild it, so I get that depreciation back. But in the, this next case... Um, you know, I'm probably not going to rebuild it. So then I would forfeit that, that little chunk of money at the end. That kind Correct. Of- uh, the next case is a property that has substantial vandalism, malicious mischief, and theft uh, that you're, you're contemplating selling as is, if I understand the facts correctly, and, and you just want to be done with the property, and you have an insurance settlement check that, uh, and I'm just going to make the numbers up, it, it might be for 24000 but 16000 is recoverable depreciation. If that's the case of the numbers, and you walk, meaning you're selling the property as is, that $16,000 will not be used towards uh, rebuilding the property. Usually the amounts are smaller. When they're big amounts, a lot of times people will, of course, rebuild the property, uh, especially on a fire claim. You can imagine you could have 70000 of recoverable depreciation on something to the magnitude of a fire. But on a vandalism theft claim, depending on how the insurance company adjusts it and how you substantiate it, how, how the agreement is made on the number, the recoverable depreciation may be two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. And in that case, they're selling the property as is and walking away might be a much better alternative depending on how the math works out than trying to, to rebuild a, a $2,000 or $3,000 of carpet just to, to try to get a little bit more money out of the insurance company. It, it all depends on your perspective and what your, what your exit strategy is. All right. So if you guys want a little bit of the backstory, you can go back to Simple Passive Cashflow number 80, where I talked about my general move from single family homes to multifamily investing. Uh, so I had this, uh, this tenant that went AWOL on me and you know, they didn't really go AWOL. They just stopped paying, but then they, uh, they kind of uh, lurked around the property for quite a while. And they're actually still doing it to this day. They've come back probably about three, four times to vandalize and cause mischief. And this is the trifecta of, of uh, theft, vandalism. And what was the third one? <laughs> M- malicious mischief. I yeah. appreciate you quizzing me every now and then. Those three can be very aggravating. You have a scorned tenant, if you will, or if the property is in a neighborhood that's uh, perhaps not as good as some others where the property is just very vulnerable and it's going to be hit and hit and hit again repeatedly. Uh, A lot of times you want to just take your money, sell it as is and be done with it. Yeah. So, and then leave the, maybe the few thousand dollars on the table for the depreciation. In that case, they're dependent on what the amount is. And it depends on on the severity of, of the damage, of course. All the kids these days are investing in the latest fad like tech or cryptocurrency. If I had learned anything these past few years watching the wealthy is that they invest in the most boring stuff and the basic commodities. What is more of a necessity than coffee? 
To learn more about this boring investment, check out simplepassivecashflow.com backslash coffee. All right. So right now, um, you know, we're, we're kind of, it's an open case at the moment. Uh, so I'm submitting uh, a lot of photos to Ed and a lot of, you know, kind of the backstory and what happened. A lot of the, the police, re- this is where the police reports come in. And, you know, it kind of substantiates the case and memorializes a lot of the events. And um, I mean, maybe walk me through what is the process now at working on something bigger like this? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, you know, before and after pictures, that's almost like your step one. What did the house look like before the event occurred? What does it look like now? Then you want to establish your timeline. And, and we, we're using this, even though Lane and I are talking about perhaps the specific of vandalism, theft, and malicious mischief claim. This really is almost a boilerplate and I, I would call it framing the claim, if you will. It's a boilerplate on how to most effectively communicate to the claims adjuster, who's the, the insurance company's individual that's going to decide on what that first offer is going to be that might be plenty. I mean, meaning pl- might be very accurate and fair and, and enough to repair the damage. So before and after pictures, and then you want to set the timeline. This claim happened on this date. Well, show me. Okay, well, here's how the house looked. And I filed the police report three days later once we discovered the tenant had created all this damage because a neighbor called the property manager. Here's the report of the neighbor calling the property manager. Or the police were called to the property because the, the tenant was taking a sledgehammer to the windows and there was glass breaking everywhere. What, whatever the catalyst is, but you're established, establishing the timeline of events. Once you do that, it's real clear that claim occurred during the policy period, not before, and that here's what the condition of the property was before the claim. Here's what it looks like after the claim. And then finally, we get to the cause again and have the cause is determined by policy language on whether or not that claim is approved or not approved. I just want to say thanks, Ed, that you know, it's great to have you working through a broker like yourself. That way you can kind of talk to this stuff because I sent you the long list of that whoa document of $27,000 of repairs that got proposed to me from the contractor. And, you know, I can be upfront with you and I say, Hey, you know, that, that was what they gave me, but you know, I'll be honest with you, man. Like there's only like probably about a little more than half of that that really needs to get done. But here's the information that I have and we can work together to hopefully I can get the most out of this. Right. And, and what, what I did with, with Lane's help in, in that information being supplied is kind of labeled okay, here's, here's your contractor's bid. I'm not going to worry about paint inside and outside. I think that was one of the ones you and I had, had some emails going back and forth on. And I'm not going to worry too much about carpets because, you know, there's, that's tenant move in, move out stuff. You know, paint the interior of the house, if you will, perhaps replace some flooring. But we focus more on the bigger items that you can, you can say is cause and effect, if you will. Here's the damage, you know, we, we have boarded up the windows because all the windows were broken. Okay, then we have vandalism over here for broken windows. Here's a toilet that was cracked and a bathtub that was that was ruined and kicked in, etc. Okay, again, we have a vandalism over here. And then we have all the appliances that um, you and I are still working through that appeared to be stolen. So, okay, then we have a theft component of the claim. So the more the claim is organized in your own mind, the, the easier it will be to communicate with the adjuster. When the adjuster says that's not covered, that's when we come back and say, well, hey, wait, wait a second. I understand what you're saying, but in reality is this damage is a result of this type of peril. 
And of course, we're looking for the peril that, that's covered. Again, I can't do that if we have a leaky, uh, an old house with leaky pipes. I, I, we have to be able to substantiate as factually as we possibly can why we're asking for more money or why we don't agree with the settlement. So as long as we can substantiate, address a covered peril, meaning the theft, the, the, the vandalism, uh, if it's a wind claim, et cetera, the before and the after condition of the property, the date of loss, we're in a better position at least to have dialogue that's going to be uh, more constructive to resolving the claim. So there's some things like having somebody go out there, board up the house, those little those smaller ticky-tack things, are those recoverable? I, I would make the case that if not for the vandalism or, or if not for the mischief, like we wouldn't need to be doing that, you know, that the, if the, not phrase. The board up absolutely can be reimbursable because you're taking steps to protect the property from further damage. Uh, another analogy would be is you have a hole in the roof and it's going to rain. Definitely the insurance company wants you to tarp the house and they will reimburse you for those types of situations that further prevent the house from being damaged because obviously the more damage, the more claim amount. So they are encouraging what about the legal yeah, the, fees? Now, legal fees and eviction is, the legal fees would not be covered. You know, when you have a tenant problem and you're evicting a tenant, the legal fee would, would not be covered at all for, for many reasons. One is it could be a wrongful eviction by your property manager. Two is if it, if it gets physical with, with the tenant at the time of eviction. Now, under the liability section, we would have coverage for wrongful eviction. So that's covered in that sense there. But you evict a tenant and he leaves, you pay the sheriff to go out and take his, his stuff and put it all in storage or on the front lawn or burn it or whatever the sheriff does in whatever county. That part would not be covered by the policy. Got it. Well, I mean, it's better than nothing. You're, 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 you're framing some good information here because when it comes to filing a claim, you don't want to just assume it's like the commercials we see on TV. You know, here's Allstate paying claims. Allstate does the same thing as does State Farm and Farmers. They're going out there and saying, okay, what is the cause of this? And that's the first thing they look at. They say, okay, did this claim appear during our policy period? 99.9% .9 of the time, the answer is yes. Otherwise, they wouldn't be out there adjusting the property. They'd send you a letter and say, hey, the, the claim happened before you even bought the policy. That's, that's not our issue. So usually the date of that claim is going to be in your policy period and the time you're notifying the insurance company, because you have 30 days to, to let the insurance company know what's going on on the property. That usually happens. The second is the before and the after pictures and then identifying that cause. And I'm being a little bit of a broken record, but if, if those are the three takeaways from, from this podcast that an investor can leave with, because like you said, winterizing pipes and freezing pipes, you're starting to get into some of the minutia and in, in what's the weather like in Tennessee today and what's the weather going to be like in January and do I have a tenant in there or not. Usually winterizing a house, the property managers are, are very familiar with. But from an investor who says, I don't want to deal with insurance, it's a big pain in the ass, and now I have a claim, those would be the three takeaways, establishing the condition of the property, the time frame, the date of the loss, and the cause of the loss. So that, that first one, establishing the uh, pre-existing conditions, does it make sense to go in there like once a year or is like every five years fine or every month? Well, like it, what's, what's practical here? Well, what's practical is you, you have a tenant, if the tenant is there for five years, you're lucky, first of all, right? Right. But usually you're, usually you're seeing what the property's like every time you have a tenant move out. 
So, and you're seeing what the property is like when you're buying it as a turnkey because you're usually getting all the pictures from your turnkey provider on what the property looks like. So the insurance company says, okay, we're putting this policy in force based on the property being in this condition, but we have safeguards. For example, if the roof is the same roof 20 years later, the insurance company is only going to pay actual cash value on the roof if you have a, a, a leaky roof type of thing. So you do have to do normal things as an owner of the property. If you see a tree and the roots are breaking up the driveway, you're going to have to either remove the tree or cut the roots back. You're going to have to resurface the driveway. You're going to have to do the normal routine maintenance items that you'd, you would do on any home. And your property manager should be pointing that out to you along the way. The insurance company isn't going to inspect the home. They're going to assume it's an investor. It's an investor mentality. He wants to take care of his investment. He's going to keep his property in, in good condition. All right. Well, um, is there anything else you think we missed? I think I really appreciate you coming on and kind of deep diving into these things. No, my, my pleasure. Again, with water, you, you have to be very clear as to the water damage and how it's created. But uh, again, at the, the, at the risk of redundancy, the time frame of the claim, the condition of the property before and after, and finally, the cause of that damage. All right. Yeah, if, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, um, maybe drop them. What's your email, Ed? Sure. Well, first of all, the, the name of the agency is Ross Diversified Insurance Services, and we are national. My brother and I have been running this thing for about 32 years, and we do own investment property ourselves, as well as notes I might uh, throw in there because we insure non-performing notes. We insure foreclosures, as well as rentals, as well as fix and flips. Our phone number is 800-210-7677. Again, that's 800-210-7677. And the email address I'm going to give you our office manager's name because it's easier to say and easier to spell. And that's Bruce Young. And that's B as in boy, Y-O-U-N-G, B Young at Ross, R-O-S-S, the number two, dot com. So B Young at Ross, two, dot com. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and helping me on these couple claims. Hopefully I can get out of these single family homes soon. <laughs> Well, we'll get you through the second claim, and then I'll look forward to these multi-units that you keep telling me you're going to get me involved in, in one of your cherry-picking ones. So I look forward yeah. to that. <laughs> All right, guys. And uh, if you guys haven't, please leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps me get up on the iTunes rankings. Uh, starting to get up there in the rankings, and it's kind of neat. All right. Well, I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor's situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.